Uh, we have been studying the Gospel of, of Mark, and, and the text that I wanted to bring to our attention this morning is the one that was just read for us in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Uh, Mark's prologue is the first 15 verses in describing the arrival of Jesus, describing that He has come to establish His kingdom and calling for all people then to belong to that kingdom, to be citizens of it and to follow His rule. And what the next couple of chapters of the Gospel of Mark will do is designate the authority of Jesus. Who is this Jesus? And why should we follow Him is really what the the path will be over the next couple of chapters. But before describing the authority that Jesus has over creation, over unclean spirits, over diseases and illnesses that will be described in chapters 2 and 3 and at the end of chapter 1, you have this very important scene that you'll notice in Mark 1 verse 16, here is Jesus and He is walking along the side of the Sea of Galilee. And it seems very abrupt. It just seems kind of out of the blue. Jesus is walking along and when we're told there in verse 17, here are these fishermen. Verse 16 names them as Simon and Andrew. And Jesus says to them in verse 17, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And then immediately they drop their nets and follow him. And then going a little bit further, he sees James and John. And they're in their boat, mending nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the net, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And we can read that story and think this is highly unusual about Jesus and the call of discipleship. That Jesus just walks up and says, follow me. And that's the big message of what Jesus will do in His life. And through His death and through His resurrection is calling for people, I want you to follow me. And what seems like a very short and concise couple of verses right here, actually contains a very valuable message of what it looks for like for us to follow Jesus. To get a little bit of background to understand what is happening at this moment, we need to understand a little bit about these disciples. Uh, if you're like me, sometimes you've thought about these disciples and being fishermen that, well, these are kind of the lowly, you know, low lives and they're kind of the poor and the peasant. They're not really important people. Sometimes they're portrayed as ignorant and useless. And so, you know, what did they have to lose? I mean, they're just efficient anyway and they decide they're going to follow Jesus. Sounds like it's a little better, right? And that's not at all the idea of how we should see these disciples. And it's not at all what they're actually having to do and what they're actually being called to do. In fact, one of the things that we know about first century fishing, in particular at the Sea of Galilee, is it was a thriving industry. There's at least 16 ports on the Sea of Galilee that were being used for fishing. Do not think of these men fishing as rod and reel and they're out there and, you know, we're hoping to get some lunch today because, you know, there's nothing in the pantry and so maybe we'll get a bite to eat. This is commercial fishing. This is them with big nets and this is their livelihood. In fact, 
Fish was a common staple in the Greco-Roman world in the first century. This is critical. In fact, we know that the shipments that were made of the fish from the Sea of Galilee would range even as far as to Alexandria of Egypt. And so when you hear about them fishing on the Sea of Galilee, don't think of it as this is just kind of a two-man, two-guys, rod, reel, you know, and they might get a few here and there. This is a business. In fact, if you read the text carefully, it is indicating to you that it is a successful fishing business. Notice James and John, their father Zebedee, is also in the boat. And so you have Zebedee, here's this family fishing business, but notice who else is in the boat? A bunch of employees. Hired servants is what it says. This is just not a one-man, two-man, three-man operation. This is a whole deal of them being out there fishing. This is a business. This is a career. I want it to be firmly in our minds. This is their livelihood. This is their job. This is how they make money. This is how they put food on the table. This is how they live. This is not a hobby. This is not something that they did on the weekend. This is not something, you know, when they got around to it. This is their job. And so if you understand these men and what they're doing out there as they are fishing and mending nets, you're mending nets either because you're done fishing or you're getting ready to fish to make sure you have no holes in there and you're ready to go then understanding what Jesus is doing here is also startling. Because in Judaism and in the first century and along the lines of just general teachers, teachers of the first century did not walk up to people and say, hey, follow me. That's totally abnormal. That's not what you did. Rabbis did not go around and say, hey, what I want you to do is just follow me. What typically rabbis would do is they would say, I want you to learn from my teachings. They would be like a mentor. And you would hear their teachings and learn the Torah, learn the law from them. But they never said, hey, come follow me. People might want to follow after a teacher and listen to them teach. But they didn't walk around saying, here's what you need to do. You need to just kind of give up what you're doing and walk around with me wherever I go and follow me. It's totally unusual. Not only that... Think about how prophets never went around saying, follow me. Prophets always said, follow God. What Jesus says is highly unusual to come along and say, follow me. A prophet would say, you need to follow God. You need to see what God has to say. Here's the message of God, follow Him. And Jesus sets Himself different. What you're seeing in Jesus is He's clearly not merely some rabbi or some wise man or just some prophet. There is something very authoritative about His call. To be able to go up to people who are in the middle of their job. They're in the middle of their work day. And as Jesus is walking by saying, you know what you need to do? You need to stop what you're doing and follow Me. You need to just follow what I'm about to do. Follow my life. Listen to my teaching. Go where I go. So then when we think about it in terms like that, notice a little bit more than about what Jesus is doing in this call. One of the things that you do not see Jesus do in this call is go out to the people and say, now if you follow me, you would get a whole lot more fish. 
I will make your fishy industry grow by tenfold if you will follow me. You know, like those 1 a.m. infomercials. You know, dial now and call now and I'll make you rich, but you've got to call me today. And Jesus isn't giving a call like that to say, now if you follow me, I'm going to make your life better. I'm going to make you more wealthy. I'm going to make your life more comfortable. I'm going to make your life easy. I'm going to make your business boom. I'm going to make you a success. I'm going to give you more power. Jesus does not even go out there and say, now let me help you with this. Let me show you how this would be really easy. You think about some of the future miracles of Jesus where Jesus would just say, you know, if you just cast your net on the other side, we'll drown this boat. <laughs> you know, we'll just sink the thing. Notice that's not what the call is. The call has nothing to do with the physical. The call has nothing to do with them having some kind of improved life. That things will be better now. That they would be more successful now. That they would have more money now. That they would have their best life now. Or any of those kinds of things. You know, so often that's how Christianity is portrayed. You know, if you'll just come to Christ today, it will just be all better for you. Your life will be so much better. You'll have no more problems, no more pain, no more sickness. Your bills will be paid. Can't you just feel your wallet getting heavier now as you sit in the pew? Notice Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus makes zero offer in terms of the physical reality to your life. He doesn't say your life will be better right now at home or at a job, you know, is going to make more money, any of that kind of stuff. And along those lines as well, I just want you to notice Jesus' call was not, well, I'm going to come work for you. You know, here's what I hope you'll do. If you would just, you know, make a little bit of time for me, I'll come out there and I'll help you. What Jesus does and says, you're coming to work for me. I'm not coming to work for you. You're coming to work for me. I'm making a call that's going to radically change your life. I'm making a call that's going to cause you to make a decision about what you're now going to do the rest of your days. I think that's an important thing for us to look at in the life of Jesus. Is not only is it not a call to be able to say, well, now things are going to get better for you. But it's also not a call of Jesus coming to improve your life or to do something for you. Unfortunately, what we often do in describing discipleship in describing what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is we talk about how can I fit Jesus into my busy life? You know, I've got all these things going on. And I'm sure that's what the discussion looked like. As Jesus walked up to Simon and, 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 and Andrew and to James and John, follow me. And they said, you know, well, let me get out my planner. Been really busy fishing right now. How does next Tuesday look for you, Jesus? <laughs> if we can work in a little bit of time, family obligations right now, work concerns right now, but you know, maybe we can work out something. You notice how different the picture is and what the call looks like. The call of Jesus is not, can you fit me into your busy schedule and give me an hour here or there? 
The call of Jesus is not, do you, do you maybe have a few minutes for me? And that, that would really be great. Really appreciate it. Notice what Jesus is doing is radical and calling for all of their commitments and all their ties to be cut off. James and John, come follow me. Simon, Andy, what I want you to do, I want you to come follow me. Following Jesus is not about simply repent and believe in the gospel like we studied a few weeks ago in verse 15. But now there comes with it a change of life. A change of life purpose. A change of life direction. That Jesus is calling for people to change their lives. The call of Jesus is not, I want you to follow me, James and John from the boat. Okay, we will. Now let's get right back to fishing. It's a call for a radical life change. It's a call of discipleship to leave everything. In fact, what are they doing here but leaving their vocation? When we understand this fishing business in the first century on the Sea of Galilee, this is a very big deal what they're being called to leave. To tell them, leave what you're doing. Drop the nets. Leave the boat. And come and follow me. And you see, as it was in the case of James and John, it's even the idea of leaving family. There's their father Zebedee out there fishing along with them. And James and John leave dad and go and follow Jesus immediately. And I think when it comes to talking about the call of Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Him, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus what it looks like as Jesus calls us to follow Him can be different than sometimes the way we think about it in our minds. I think very much so over the past some decades or more, there's been this push that, well, there's your family first, and, you know, and once you take care of family obligations and family concerns... Then we follow Jesus. And it betrays us sometimes even in our speech. Well, you know, I had these family things and that's why I didn't do these things for the Lord. I had these family commitments. You know, I had family in town. I had to go do family things, family responsibilities. Isn't it interesting how often Jesus will tell stories and parables and even deal actually with personal situations of people who are like, well, I've got these family things. And Jesus goes, so? (laughs) I'm asking for you to follow me. When you even have people like his disciples coming up to Jesus and say, you know, you, you've got your family in the crowd, your mother and brothers. And Jesus just goes, who are my brothers and who is my mother except all of you? That those who belong to him were the family. He was redefining everything when it came to following him. As we go through our study of the Gospel of Mark, we'll see that even the Mark's Gospel himself will bring those ideas out, bring those very passages to the forefront in challenging the way we think about what it means to follow Jesus. 
We cannot believe and think that because I throw myself into a focus of caring for my family, that that means I'm following Jesus. There's a lot of people who are family people. There's a lot of people who are good parents, good fathers, good mothers, but they don't follow Jesus. Devoting yourself to family is not the call. I think it's important to think about what that looks like then. So I think if you've looked around in the religious landscape at all, you know that this gets taken to quite an interesting extreme. You will see people will be like, well, that means I can have absolutely no family. Are you saying that what Jesus means is so we all need to quit our jobs. We shouldn't get married. We act like we don't have parents, walk away from our children. And that's what it means to be disciples of Jesus. All you have to do is read a little bit further in the Gospel of Mark and you'll know that's not the case. You're going to read about Simon's mother-in-law. <laughs> and the concerns that are there. So you know, Peter doesn't go, well, I don't have family anymore. That's not the idea. It's not the idea to say, well, therefore, we cannot have a job. I'm going to pretend I don't have a family. I'm going to just completely ostracize myself from all connection whatsoever. It's not what the call of Jesus looks like. But what the call of Jesus does look like is the willingness to leave anything that hinders us To follow Him. To do what He says. To walk the way He walked. And obey the things that He taught. That's the picture of what Jesus' call looks like. Is that there would be absolutely nothing that would hinder us. Absolutely nothing that would hinder us from following Him. Whatever the obstacle is that gets in our way of serving Jesus. That is what Jesus is talking about and saying, well, you're going to have to move that because I'm supposed to be the priority now. Now you will follow me. And I want us to recognize that what we are hearing is not drastic in a greater way today as it was like in the first century. In fact, I would strenuously say that what Jesus is telling those disciples to do in the first century sounded more drastic to them. Our culture when it comes to family is far different from how the ancient Near Eastern world perceived family. And it's even different than from like the Eastern cultures like in Japan and China, how they perceive family versus us. You know, for us, to break away from your parents, I mean, that's like almost a rite of passage at 18 now. We're like, yeah, you know, we're getting away from our parents. That's what we want to do. And that's of the the highest rebellion and insult of other cultures. For Jesus to come along and say, I want you to not make your family your priority. Family was everything. Family was everything. For us, we move all over the country and we don't really care. And, you know, I'll see you maybe at Christmas. And, you know, it's not a big deal. But when Jesus made that call in the first century, it was huge. It was shattering. To say, I'm going to follow Jesus above 
the concerns of what the family pulls and responsibilities and ties may be. The priority would be on Jesus and not on family. That was a big, big call. And the call of pulling from career is the same. What I think is somewhat ironic is I think probably that's more of a drastic call in our culture today. We have a much bigger deal about career. (laughs) Family has been kind of put down here and career is everything. That is the sum total. I want you to see that Jesus is calling for them to change what they're doing. You're not going to be fishermen anymore, Jesus says. You notice that He tells them in verse 17, I will make you become fishers of men. We're we're changing our our purpose. We're changing why we're here. The focus of your life, Simon and Andrew, is not going to be anymore how much fish can we catch, how much money can we make, and how successful can we make this business. Your focus now is going to be you're going to go fish for people. That's going to be your mission. That's going to be your purpose. That's going to be what matters most. What Jesus then is calling for us to understand is that knowing Him, loving Him, resembling Him, serving Him, following Him, that all of those things would be the supreme passion of your life. That's the call of Jesus. That your supreme passion would now be to know Jesus, to understand who He is, to love Him, to change your life, to model Him, and to serve Him. That that would become the passion Think about how many parables Jesus tells in describing how entering the kingdom of heaven is more important than anything in life itself. Nearly every parable revolves around that idea. Two of the shortest ones, just very simple, hit that point right away. Here's a man, he has a field. And there's a treasure in the field. And so he says, what am I going to do to get that treasure in that field? I will sell all that I have so that I can possess the treasure in the field. You might have heard of the pearl of great price. Same idea parable. The willingness to give up everything because you see Jesus as more valuable than anything else. That following Him, loving Him, serving Him, knowing Him is more important than work. More important than entertainment. More important than home. More important than family. More important than anything. Jesus is making a call to sacrifice. He is making a call for sacrifice. I think also in looking at this paragraph about Jesus that we would consider what the call is not. Discipleship is not part-time volunteer work. 
You know, sometimes that's the way we look at Christianity is part-time volunteer work. I'll serve Jesus on my own terms and at my own convenience. And I want us to think about how easy it is to put Jesus in that category. What I will do is I will follow Jesus when it's convenient for me, when it's good for me, when I have the time, when it's not so tough, when I'm more financially stable, when things are going better. I've said this to you many times. How often we will put off the call of Jesus because we want to say, well, when things get better, when I don't have as many problems... Has that ever happened for you that tomorrow brought less problems and you were just like, okay, yeah, you know, things finally calmed down and everything at home is perfect and my job is perfect and my finances are perfect and everything is perfect. Now I can follow Jesus. Have you had that yet? Because if you haven't, I'd like you to talk to me afterward because I'm doing something terribly wrong. (laughs) It doesn't happen. We think there's going to be some clearing of the way of life where now will be the time when you can dedicate your life to Jesus. It'll be so much easier in the future when I settle out all these things. That's never going to happen. That's the great lie of the devil to you. Is it's going to get, get calmed down. Don't worry, it's going to get calmed down. Then tomorrow what happens? Something else happens. That's when you wake up with the tires flat in the garage. And you go, oh, you've got to be kidding me. It happens all the time. We cannot look at the call of Jesus as something that we will do when it's convenient for us. It is not a call of part-time volunteer work whenever we can get around to doing it. The call that we see of Simon and Andrew, the call that we see of James and John, is that they were willing to make whatever the sacrifice was to follow Jesus. In fact, a little bit later on in Mark's Gospel, Notice what Peter says. Peter says to Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. Just to underscore, what you're reading here doesn't mean tomorrow they went back to the boats. And like, Well, it doesn't tell you what happened the next day. They left the boats for good. When we get out to chapter 10, Peter's going to be like, We really did leave everything. We've been going with you everywhere. We're following you. And I want you to notice in the text, if you look at it again, when did these disciples start following? Mark has a favorite word in this gospel. It will wear you out as we study through it. He uses it twice in this paragraph. When do Simon and Andrew decide that they'll listen to Jesus and follow him? Jesus walks up and says, follow me. And they say, well, sounds like a good idea. What would be a good time for you, Jesus? We'll kind of get around to that. Maybe next Sunday. Immediately. They're right in the middle of something. And it's immediately. They drop the nets. James and John are out there with Zebedee in the boat. They're in the middle of doing the work. They just walk off the boat. Immediately they fall. This is what the call of discipleship looks like, is that we would desire to pursue Him and follow Him completely and follow Him immediately. And the idea that I want to put firmly in your mind for a moment as we begin to wrap up the lesson 
is you notice what they are doing by walking away from the nets and walking away from the boats? Is they really are truly trusting Jesus, aren't they? I mean, I think I would have been like, okay, Lord, but how am I going to eat next week if I leave these nets and follow you? Um, What does the retirement plan look like in following you? Uh, How am I going to be taken care of for food and clothing? If I'm Simon, you know I'm married. Um, I wonder what my wife is going to think about that. I should go ask her first. Uh, You don't see this interplay going on of, now, confirm all of my concerns first and then I'll consider following you. Somehow, for these four men, it was a no-brainer decision, wasn't it? They just drop the nets, leave the boat, we're going. It's a no-brainer decision for them. Now, I'll talk about for the last couple of minutes then how that can probably be. How could it be that this would be a no-brainer decision? Let's begin by looking at it this way. I think our... American problem when it comes to Jesus is this. We want a Jesus without cost or commitment. That's the kind of Jesus we all want. He's very content to be there whenever I'm willing to go there. Don't ask me to sacrifice anything, don't ask me to make a commitment. Don't ask me to sign my name on the line and say, I will be there and I will do we, we don't want that. And I want you to think about what Jesus is showing, not only here, but we're going to see it all throughout our study of Mark's Gospel. If you're new here, on Sunday mornings, I'm just going to be going through Mark's Gospel. Every week, we're just going to take the next paragraph, next paragraph, next paragraph. And we're just going to go like this through the Bible and just see what Jesus has to say. And one of the things you're going to see over and over again is Jesus never makes an offer to follow Him that is sacrifice-free or cost-free or commitment-free. There's no 30-day money-back guarantee. I make a promise to not have for you to have to give up anything. That's the kind of thing we like. I don't want a commitment. Jesus doesn't offer that. And Jesus doesn't offer... I promise your life will be better if you will follow after me. What Jesus offers is that we would cast aside the temporary world and seek the kingdom of God. That's really what the offer is all about. The offer is about looking at this life in its proper perspective. And saying, I'm willing to forfeit the things of this life for what the Lord has to offer me in eternity. And I want to come about it in a couple of questions like this. In using the idea of this text, the two things we see these men giving up is walking away from their jobs and walking away from their families to serve the Lord, follow Him faithfully. Is life really going to be defined by our jobs? When we get to the end, are we, are we really want to have a life that 
the sum total of our existence on this earth was that we went to work every day, performed certain tasks, got paid for it, and went home every day until you die. Is that really what the sum total of life is about? Is that where we want to be when we get to 80, 85, 90 years old? Is we'll look back at our lives and say, you know what? I lived a good life because I faithfully went to work every single day since I was 18 years old. What a life. And yet we pursue our careers and work like that's the big deal. Like that's the grand goal. That work is going to give you all of this fulfillment. Let me remind us all of something that we all need to be reminded of. They call it work for a reason. (laughs) It's not pleasure or vacation. It's work. And yet we put so much value into it as if that's our everything. That's our identity. That's who we are. You see that these men didn't look at it like that? That they were saying, to follow Jesus, that's a far better choice than just being a fisherman all my life. What am I going to have for show for just being a fisherman? Fish. So what? There must be something more. There must be something more to put your efforts and your time into. And if all you put your time and your efforts into is your work, I promise you at the end, you're going to be sorry. The work doesn't pay back. The work doesn't give you a big hug and go, look at you, you get the grand gold star. You were outstanding worker for 50 years. What will you have at the end of life that you gave all of your time to work? And by the same token, I'll just ask, what about if we are just simply defined by family? Say, well, that's that's really important. No doubt we have responsibilities and family is important in the construct and the confines of what God has given us. But if we put all of our hope and all of our joy and all of our identity and all that we possess in this life into a family relationship, do you understand what's going to happen one day? I told you I got my degree in accounting and so I have my accounting background. If you have an accounting background, you'll understand this term of going concern. And going concern means you pretend as if things are always going to keep going on and never stop. It, it, you just That's how you do books. You don't ever think about a termination point in terms of corporations and businesses. It's just always a going concern. And we like to live life that way. And we want to pretend that these relationships will always exist. And... Uh, I'll break it to you. None of us are getting out of here alive. 
And if we put all of our hope and all of our value and all of our identity and all of our joy and all of our life and all of our effort only into family, that's also going to be lost one day. There will be a time of separation. And so as important as it is to be godly parents, godly husbands, godly wives, and do all those things as godly children that are found in the Scriptures, that's not the primary. It can't be the primary. Because one day we're all going to lose each other. I hate to say that. But there's going to be a time when we're on this earth we're not going to see each other anymore. That's why you have to change and exchange the temporary for the eternal. That's why these men are able to simply drop everything they're doing. The call of Jesus is not for us to sit back and go, look at everything I have to give up. To be fair, we've probably all been there at some point, right? We've all looked at all the things I've got to change. And I want you to just think about these four guys. How are they just dropping everything and going? Because the equation, the calculation, the thought process is not. Look at all the things that I have to give up. And there's two reasons why that's a bad way of thinking. The things that we are, quote, giving up, they're not ours in the first place. What were you given by birth? How much of this stuff? It's all by the grace of God. Everything that we have. All the wealth that we have. The jobs that we have. And friends, the family that we have is by the grace of God. That's a blessing of God. This is what Job understood. Everything that you've given me. God gives God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Understanding that everything is a blessing of God. We're not giving anything up. It's not ours to begin with. But think about it even more in this. What you're, quote, giving up is temporary. This is what Jesus wants us to see. And this is what I want you to see this morning. The reason why Jesus came and the reason why Jesus died and the reason why Jesus rose from the grave is so that you would see that the things of this life are temporary that are you would be willing to put them aside and give them up for the things that are permanent, for the things that are eternal, for the things that have true value and true meaning. We get caught up in this life and think all the things that are here are all the value, all the meaning, it's all, and so we can't give it up because we're not looking at it right. Because your life is not about your job, and your life is not about your family, and your life is not about your stuff, and your life is not about your entertainment, and your life is not about your comforts. Jesus comes and tells you, I want you to put all things away. I want you to give those things up. Because I want you to see what the true value is in following me. Why does he tell a rich young ruler, come sell all that you have and follow me? We, when we read that, we always go, well, I'm sure glad he didn't tell me to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think about that one again. Because Jesus is asking for each of us to evaluate and be willing to exchange anything in this life for the true value of heaven. 
the true value of the eternal. What Jesus is offering for us are the eternal things that surpass the temporary things of this life. And our call today and our invitation then today is that you'd be willing to trade away the rags of this life for the riches of eternity. That's what the call is. It's not a call of look at all that I have to forfeit. It's a call of look all that you have to gain. Look at all that Jesus is offering you because He came, because He lived, because He died, and because He was raised. It is all about Jesus offering you true life. Will you decide to turn away from this life to see it as temporary? A blessing that God has certainly given us. We are blessed by God that we have jobs. Blessed by God that we have families. Blessed by God that we have food on the table. But recognize that all these things are from God. And that our pursuits are for the things that are eternal. Because that's going to be the thing that matters most. When you come to the end of your life, what will you say about all the time that God gave you in this world? What will you say about it? I spent all of my time focusing on my career. I spent all of my time Memorizing every Survivor episode. I have spent all of my time watching eight hours of television day in and day out. I spent all of my time watching political news. I spent all of my time... Fill in the blank. Do you see how temporary this life is? What a waste it will be if the answer is not I spent my time pursuing Jesus passionately. Any other answer is going to be a disappointing answer at the end of life. The call of Jesus is not about look what you have to give up. The call of Jesus is look at all that you have to give. Will you turn away from your sins and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins and begin to make that decision today? to follow Jesus with all of your heart. If you'd like to learn more about what Jesus has called you to do, I am here, other members of the church here, we'd be happy to study with you, to meet with you, talk with you more, however we can assist you in your walk with Jesus. That's what you have here in this group. It's just simply people who are also broken by sins, who've given their life to follow Jesus with all of their heart. And we're encouraging you to do the same. If you're ready to come and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, won't you come now while we stand and while we sing?